that all scripture is profitable. Like jewels on the surface of the ground, the Bible is full of life-changing principles. All scripture is profitable. There are some congregations you could go to where you'd think the only part of the Bible that exists is the epistles of Paul. That's what people preach on all the time, not very often on the Gospels. And in some churches, the Old Testament is hardly heard about. And there are some congregations, perhaps, that teach Torah, 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 but not the rest of the Bible. But Paul taught us that all scripture is God-breathed and is valuable for teaching the truth, convicting of sin, correcting faults, and training in right living. I want to encourage us all to become diligent students of the word, because as I hope to demonstrate to you today, you will find in scripture principles that are worth considering as guidance for your life. I've extracted seven principles from this week's parasha. And I dare say that all of you will find out of the seven, at least four or five that you can illustrate from your own life as to how those principles would have come in handy. So let's take a look. The first principle. There come times in life when victory will only come when you exercise the courage to look adversity in the face. Israel had to turn around and face Pharaoh's armies coming towards them. There are times in life when you're running from something. It may be something in your past. It may be something in your present. It may be a situation. It may be a truth. It may be a person. It may be a group of people. Whatever it is, the scripture teaches us that there are times in life when you will only have victory over that thing or that person when you look it in the face. Principle number one. And if you're taking notes, just copy down those verses that I have listed. You'll find that principle nested in there. We read it today, but let's go on. Principle number two. There are times when the only thing you can know and the only thing you need to know is which way is forward. Moses is leading the children of Israel. They've got their backs to the sea. Pharaoh and his armies are bearing down on them. And God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? What are you praying for? Tell the people to go forward. That's an incredible passage. So sometimes you'll come to crisis in your life. Sometimes I come to crisis. We all do. As a matter of fact, I guarantee you. And there are times when we're confused as to what to do. There's only one thing we need to know. Actually, there's two things. They're very strongly related. First of all, in this mess of a situation, which way is forward? And nested within that, What's the next step? That's all you need to know. That's what Israel needed to know at the Red Sea. What God was going to do, they, had, they didn't have any idea. It was unprecedented, but they knew that the way forward was 
to walk through that sea that somehow those winds had moved back. That's all they needed to know. The third principle. In the life with God of any person or community, there will be certain pivotal events or times of remarkable encounter with the transcendent, with the holy other, with God. These events need to be noted, memorialized, and recalled regularly. For 3,400 years, the Jewish people have reminded themselves every day about the deliverance through the Red Sea. Every day, more than once. Why do we need to remind ourselves? Because there's no doubt that if we don't remember, if we don't remind ourselves, we'll forget just like that. In your own life, in my life, the life of my son Chaim was talking about this this past week or so. There are occasions when you meet God in a marked way. You need to remember that because there will come times when your life is under stress, when your life is under trial and you need to remember what God did once upon a time to strengthen yourself. My son Chaim said that, you know, with everything that's going on in the country, a lot of things discouraging him, and a lot of things amongst believers that are driving him a little mashuga. He said, I'm very glad that I came to faith in Yeshua in a very dramatic way, because that's helped me to hang on. And that's true for all of you. Think of the times in your life when God dramatically showed up. Remind yourself regularly, otherwise, It'll be as though it never happened. Number four, when a people under, leaders, under someone's leadership see the power of God evident in and through that person, the people's faith in God and in that leader grows. We read in this passage that we read today that when the Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, they believed in God. And they believed in Moses. When a people under someone's leadership see the power of God evident in and through that person, the people's faith in God and in that leader grows. My mentor, Bobby Clinton, taught about this. And he said this. Uh, as a matter of fact, Steve, would you read that for me? Sure. Spiritual authority is that characteristic of of a God-anointed leader developed upon an experiential power base, which enables a leader to influence followers towards God's purposes for the group, for the group through persuasion, force of modeling, and moral expertise. Right. It's a God-anointed leader, someone who is perceived to have the power of God on him in some way. It may be the way he teaches, it may be healing, it may be just a sense of the person. I remember once when I was with the Liberated Wailing Wall, we were in a church. Now, I, in those years, five and a half years I traveled, I was in hundreds of churches. 
I was in a church in Minnehaha Falls, Minnesota. The pastor's name was Carl Johansson. I haven't thought of him in decades. I just thought of him now. Heard the man preach. At that moment, I wished I lived in Minnehaha Falls because the sense of authority the man had, the presence of God, uh, the, the sense that you were hearing the authentic will of God through this man was just, it was obvious. Uh, he was a God-anointed leader. And when God shows up in a situation where a leader is involved, this increases people's faith in God, but also their trust in the leader. That's just a fact. You'll see that in your lives. Let's go to number five. A leader who serves God and encounters times of crisis must know what it means to cry out to God and perceive his leading. Moses, you, you read the, the leadership of Moses, he's crying out to God all the time. He's coming to situations which are unprecedented. Uh, I mean, nobody's ever done this before. Nobody's ever led Israel out of captivity after 400 years of being uh, in captivity. Nobody's ever done this. And Moses cries out to God frequently when situations come up that are unprecedented. So a person who serves an account, who serves God and his people, and who encounters times of crisis, he needs to know what it means to cry out to God and to perceive his leading. It doesn't mean you'll hear a voice. It doesn't mean you'll necessarily have a vision. Um, but by experience, you get the sense, I think this is God. And you need to grow in that. And you're only, you're only growing it by experience. Nobody else can deliver it to you. Number six. Sometimes God reveals his provisions to us in advance. Moses at the bush and the signs that God gave him. Moses said, they're not going to believe me. So God says, I'll tell you what, put your hand into your cloak. He puts his hand and he pulls it out. It's white as snow. It's, it's scaly and, and it's leprous. He says, put it back in. He puts it back in, takes it out again. It's clean. He says, do that for them. Then he says, okay, if they don't believe that, take your staff, throw it on the ground. So he throws it on the ground, it turns into a snake. He says, grab hold of it again. He grabs hold of it, it turns back into a staff. He says, if they don't believe the first sign, they'll believe the second sign. Then how about this one? Take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground, it'll turn into blood. So sometimes God reveals his provisions to us in advance. I want to say that's not my experience. Generally, my experience is that when God has led me in a given direction, I just have a sense that's the direction I want to go. And I have a dim intuition of that God will be there for me in that situation. 
uh, I wasn't always like that. I once, well, I was frightened to leave Jews for Jesus. I felt that God was leading me to go and I was scared to death. I'd spent half my life there. And I went to a shrink and she told me, she said, you don't believe that God will be there for you in the unknown situation. And she was exactly right. Exactly. She nailed me. Sometimes God will tell you what he's going to do for you before he sends you. But in my experience, no. You just know you've got to go in that direction. You just know that's the direction of faith. So sometimes you won't know what you'll face, nor how you're going to get through it until you get there. But if you're following God, God's leading, it is amazing. <laughs> it is incredible what God will do. Number seven, God tests us so we might see what we are made of, how we are maturing or not. And so we might discover his ability to provide for what is to follow. Uh, if you go back over today's Sedra, which begins in chapter 13, verse 17, and goes to chapter 17, verse 16, you'll find this word testing used more than once. God tests Israel. Israel also tests God. They test his patience. But God tests us so that we might see what we're made of, how we're maturing or failing to mature. And so we might discover his ability to provide for us in what is to follow. And we find, uh, let me back up a minute, hold it a second. Come on, you can do it. There it is. In Deuteronomy 8, God uh, uh, comments on this. Just a second. Deuteronomy 8. This is, this is 40 years later. God comments here. And here, I'll ask, I'll ask Melissa to read this from Deuteronomy 8. You are to remember everything of the way in which Adonai led you these 40 years in the, in the desert. Oh, these are some of my favorite verses. Humbling and testing you in order to know what was in your heart, whether you would obey his mitzvot or not. He humbled you allowing you to become hungry and then fed you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had ever known. To make you understand that a person does not live on food alone, but on everything that comes from the mouth of Adonai. During these 40 years, the clothing you were wearing didn't grow old and your feet didn't swell up. Think deeply about it. Adonai was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his child. So obey the mitzvot of Adonai, your God, living as he directs and fearing him. Right. You're going to come in, into various kinds of testing. My mentor, Bobby Clinton, talked about three kinds of testing, which I'm not going to go into today because it's been a, it's been a long service. He tests you as to your integrity, uh, is one thing. He tests you to see if you will obey in a situation the principles that you claim to have as your own. That's what Israel goes through frequently. And you'll notice what he says here. Uh, 
you ought to remember everything of the way in which Adonai led you these 40 years in the desert, humbling and testing you. Why? To know what was in your heart. God already knows what's in their heart, but we don't know what's in our heart. Whether you would obey his mitzvot or not. He humbled you. He tests us to show us our own frailty, allowing us to become hungry. He allows us to go into difficult circumstances. And then he fed you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had ever known. God, God allows you to come into a, a trusting situation. And then he meets you in a way you've never heard of before. And that, why is that? It's teach you not only something about yourself, but teach you something about God to make you understand that a person does not live by food alone. We don't live simply by our own resources, but we live by everything that comes from the mouth of Adonai. So my goal today was to demonstrate to you, to show you that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I've just taken you into the Torah, into one parsha, uh, and shown you seven principles that are solid gold, that are applicable to your life. You're going to meet people in your life who assume the Old Testament has nothing to say to them. I think of the great prophet, Mr. T, who said, pity the fool. Uh, pity the fool who thinks the Old Testament has nothing to teach us. Oh, my God. When Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration of God, the New Testament had not been written yet. He was talking about that part of the Bible that people dismiss. I trust you won't. I trust you will look carefully and find diamonds right there on the ground. Look for it. Let's pray. Father, your spirit has made us aware of your nearness, of your, of your provision for us, of your truth. We're more aware of you now at this moment, at least I am, than I was at the start of the service. And I think it's true for many, if not all of my sisters and brothers. So we thank you that you meet with us in the person of your spirit and in your word. And that you awaken us out of our sleep. May we not fall back asleep, O oh God. May your word and your spirit continue to awaken us to your truth and to what it means to follow you. I just want to say two words to you today. Thank you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, my sisters and brothers, for your attention. I trust that God's word will find its place in your life.
now we come to the Alinu, 